You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone. You are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal, joined today by Azizi Marshall. She is an LCPC and a also a certified or licensed drama therapy uh, instructor. I think I just butchered that really badly. A group practice owner and the owner of Revolutionize Your Private Practice. We're going to talk a lot about uh, getting corporate clients in the door. We're going to talk about how to incorporate creativity and art into your practices and your businesses. And really, really happy to have you on here. And how did I butcher that, by the way? No. <laughs> so it's a board certified trainer in drama therapy. So you were, you were close. You were close. The concept was there. The, uh, the name escaped me. I was just thinking, I was like, oh, man, why did I not write that down? <laughs> but it's really nice to have you on. And I'm excited to talk about this today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So tell me a little bit, you know, I've been following your Facebook and, and a lot of what you've been doing recently. And one thing that stood out to me that we can talk about um, that I was really excited to see was like that cool concept that you had where you and I think it was your children like painted on rocks and put them all throughout your community and you ended up on the news did you not I yeah we did it was it was one of those just uh happenstance conversations we were having in our admin team meeting about how to bring awareness to mental health and also tie it into what we do as creative arts therapists so we're like well therapy rocks and because we think of music and music therapy so so what, what about rocks and how can we guerrilla market this whole thing and bring people more into the center and bring more awareness to mental health? And we decided on painting these rocks green and putting a cool QR code so people can hashtag therapy rocks and get entered into a raffle. And it just kind of blew up with the local news and they were really excited. And after that, we had other people reaching out saying, hey, can we bring that to this neighborhood and then to this neighborhood? So we have plans in the works for, for next year, but it was, it was a lot of fun being able to do that and bring awareness to mental health. That's awesome. I saw that and I was like, wow, not only do I think that idea is amazing, um, but it just looked like such a cool, creative way to get your name and to expose, you know, mental health even more to the community at large and spend time with your kids. I imagine you just had them like helping you placing these things all over the community that you live in. They did. Yeah. I had to bribe them with uh, pizza and uh, Starbucks. So it worked out really well for me. <laughs> they did. They were pulling the carts and distributing them. And then they'd say, I'm so tired. And I said, well, let's think about, you know, why we're doing this. So I sprinkled in some purpose-driven type of incentives as well. And yeah, they, they loved it. It was a good memory to, to, to have with them for sure. How long did it take you to, I don't even know how many rocks you painted, but how long did that take you to get that all set up to be able to go and like distribute those? Uh, I want to say if, if you weren't breaking it down into breaks, actually, it was probably five full days of nonstop work. Spray, you know, cleaning the rocks, spray painting them and you, know, you have to let them dry and then putting the stickers on. 
I had my team <laughs> showing up to my house, coming into my garage and putting stickers on intermittently. I'm like, please, please help me come to my house. <laughs> so it worked out really, really well. It was, it was definitely a team effort for that one. Nice. And I imagine that there's been some return on that investment of those five days of like putting that together. Yeah, absolutely. I, I made a, a new friend who's a producer for a local TV station here. And we're working on uh, an event coming up in October. So because of that, because she interviewed me, we're now, I would say we're, I can't say we're besties, but we're, we're friends at this point. <laughs> Very cool. And for those of you listening, I mean, there are so many cool, creative ways to get your business out there. I think so many therapists have this understanding of like, the only way to get my business out there is to network. I hate networking. I don't want to do it. I don't know what else to do. I'll just reshare some social media graphics that somebody else created and hopefully clients will find me. The answer is like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned just creativity and business ownership and that seems to be a passion of yours, how that really blends well together to get clients coming in the door, to get businesses like really more aligned with your values too? Yeah, I'd have to I'd definitely jump on that because... I am 100% introvert. And so I'm the same Net networking events. I can do them. I have to prepare for them. And then when I'm done, I'm literally like, nobody talk to me, please just don't even make eye contact. I just need to go back in my bubble. Um, so to be able to do something that harnesses social media, because then, you know, you're, you're interacting with yourself basically in that time when you're making your videos and things and you're hoping that what you're putting out there that's authentically you connects with the people that you want to work with. And I've, I've noticed that when I can just show up as me um, and, and not, I guess, tire myself out with the networking and being in person all the time, it, it really helps bring people in. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like if you can get aligned with who you are and make it really authentic and fun too, then promoting your business, promoting the things that you're creating I think it feels a lot more enjoyable instead of feeling like I've got to sit down one at a time with therapists or whoever in my community and talk about myself. Like, I don't want to do that. And what you did in five days clearly shows that your team at your group practice is also bought in, which means that you've probably created a culture where people enjoy working at your group practice. And in order to do that, a lot of things have to go right. And that also means that you have a great mind in terms of being a visionary in terms of doing things differently. And for the therapist listening, or even entrepreneurs listening, there are so many cool creative like things that you can do to get your business out into the world to share the things that you've worked really freaking hard on, without having to do the grinding, like grueling effort of like, reaching out being vulnerable, asking if someone wants to meet for coffee, etc. But those five days were labor intensive, like you said, but they're gonna be a, there's going to be a return on investment because people in your community found these things. And I imagine you started to see calls really increase quite a bit after that. Yeah, yeah, we definitely saw calls increase. And, and even just the news coverage alone was astronomical as far as people going, oh, 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 I can see you, <laughs> especially with telehealth too. You know, it, it crossed those those boundaries that we haven't been able to serve people. And so more people have been able to to find us. And so that was awesome. Yeah. Talk about accessibility to care, just getting it out there that like, yeah, it's as easy as just a click of a button. And then here you and I are sitting here and talking together and 
and communicating in that way. And we can help you with your mental health support. So have you had to hire since that time? Because I was just curious about like how much of an increase in, in contacts did you all get after that? We have had to hire. We're, we're at that point where we're really determining how much we want to grow. And I, I like a smaller group practice. Um, and I've, I've seen my colleagues do the multi-site places and I feel like that's not where I want to be with my team um, because I want my team to be tiny but mighty, basically. And, like that. and that's really helped in the corporate wellness place because then I know that anyone who I send out to work with our corporate clients is going to be super strong. And so I don't have to worry, well, I don't know so-and-so who's working in this building yet. I haven't even met up. So it, it really helps to know my team and their strengths and then put them in the corporate contracts that fits them. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of focus on intentionality then. And we're talking, you know, quality over quantity in terms of hiring and in terms of culture too. That's really important to create a cohesive group. Talk about the corporate wellness uh, side of your business and the things that you do, because I know a lot of people listening are thinking, how can I do more, you know, get in front of more corporate clients? How can I get, obtain more contracts? How can I become someone who is not solely reliant upon my SEO and my Google ads and my, my Psych Today profile page, but really trying to get innovative in terms of how you get in front of the right people? Yeah, I'd say this is where the introverts are going to cringe a little bit because it is <laughs> it is a lot of networking. It really is. Um, getting actively involved in your local chamber helps a lot, especially if, in, if you're in the right groups. So if there's a business to business leads group, you definitely want to join that. And it takes time. It's more of a marathon than a sprint. So the connections I've made um, two years ago, when I started networking more with the business to business, now, just now, they're saying, oh, I think we're ready now for that contract. <laughs> so it's been two years of, oh, here's an article that I found, and this is great. And oh, by the way, you should come to this talk that I'm giving. And it's just been that continued connection. I, some of them were even at our, our Labor Day party. So like my husband and I are very intentional on Oh yeah, okay, who do we want leads from? But then also who do we want to, you know, drum together with during our Labor Day party? And so we invite people, um, just business colleagues, so then they can get to know us on a personal level because that's really what it is. It's not just a cold call saying, Hey, I want to train your team. It's more of a, hey, you know me and you know I'm going to support your people because you know what type of person I am. Yeah. And you trust me, right? Like that's a yeah. big part of this too. If you're going to be spending this amount of money on a contract for us to do this thing, then it's important that you know me and that you trust the, that I'm going to do a good job and deliver the product. And I like that you said that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like I get it for all of you that are introverted. I do understand the the cringy like nature of, oh my God, I have to put myself out there. But it really is fostering and developing those relationships, right? Like it's really nurturing them. It's not going into these with an ulterior motive. It's more so like I can benefit you and there's probably ways that you can benefit me and then we can both win at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd say for the, the introverts too, what has helped me is being very active on LinkedIn for those corporate accounts. So I had somebody, actually several people reach out to me who are in HR 
um, HR as HR consultants, and they've seen just randomly the posts that I've been putting out there, and they remembered because that's all I talk about on LinkedIn. And so they have reached out to me, hey, do you do this by chance? I have a client who's interested. Absolutely, I do. And it's just because they've seen the stuff that I've put out on LinkedIn. So it, it is, LinkedIn takes a lot longer to make those connections, but it is possible to do it that way. I love that you just named that because I've talked with other people on here before about how you can't really show up everywhere in terms of your social media marketing. You have to be really strategic. I mean, I guess you could be everywhere, but it is helpful to be more strategic and honed in. And if you're going to really focus on corporate clients, if you're going to focus on people who are in um, positions of leadership or entrepreneurship or business owners, I mean, LinkedIn is probably the place to be. It's probably not going to be Facebook. It's probably not going to be TikTok. Um, it's probably not going to be Instagram. So it's really good to hear that. And if you can sort through all the like cold call DMs into your LinkedIn inbox of like, hey, I'm a person that can do this thing for you. How do you want to give it a shot? I think I have like 5,000 of those right now. Um, but that's good to hear that, that that's successful for you in terms of what you're building. Do you? I don't know a whole lot about your history here, but coming out of grad school, I imagine you didn't envision sitting here like, hey, I've done all of this, you know, as you're graduating. I didn't, but I did. I knew, I knew where I wanted to be. And I, I remember going back to, to books that I had, you know, all my notebooks that I had, future plans and goals. And I, I recently looked back at them with my mom when she came to visit. And I was like, I've, I've done this. I've, I've created this program. I've created this training. I've done videos. I've done all the things that I've wanted to do. And now it's, it's at the point of where, where do I want to go from here? And what's the, the impact that I want to make as I continue to, to, to make those ripples? That's really cool to hear because so many of us, I think in grad school are just kind of like, yeah, I just want to become a therapist. And I don't really know where else to go other than community mental health. And I don't really have any plans. So it sounds like you were pretty entrepreneurial throughout all of that time when you were in school and just thinking about like, what could I be doing with this degree? Yeah. And I, I have to thank my, my parents for that, actually, because they were <laughs> I, I was a child product of uh, two therapist parents. So you can kind of imagine what that was like growing up, as well as them both being trained in uh, the group psychotherapy. Uh, method of psychodrama. And so like whenever we had an issue, I always joke like we would act it out. We wouldn't just talk about it. We would act things out to like process any sort of challenge. And and that really helped because I I watched both of my parents in different roles. You know, my mom was very much the the advocate. Um, she was the one that was doing all of these law changes and things. And then, you know, more, more in that community focus where my father was more of the the entrepreneur. And so he was also a chef as his side gig and just watching him kind of hustle with that and just seeing how much joy it brought him to not just be a, a therapist, but also do these other things that brought him joy. That's wonderful to see and be able to witness. And like, it sounds like that's really um, helped develop your outlook on terms of the businesses that you're creating too. And is there a major influence there with the, with the arts um, having that degree or that certification, being able to incorporate that into your uh, businesses, into your goals, into your visions? How does that kind of play a role? Yeah. So we, we talk about our mission at the Center for Creative Arts Therapy is that we want to be the, the go-to resource for anything creative arts therapy. 
Um, so we're, we're building upon that. And it, it really comes from the work that I did with my dad, um, with him being trained in psychodrama. And I was a theater kid growing up. So we worked really close with the American Red Cross and did um, educational theater going out. And as teenagers, you know, putting together these, these plays and performing them at the schools and and different organizations to talk about, at the time, it was huge to talk about HIV AIDS, to talk about domestic violence, um, substance abuse. And so we'd have these performances and then have the talkbacks with the students and they would ask questions. And then us as youth talking to other youth, we were able to make deeper connections than if it were a group of adults performing. And I just remember that being such an influence in my life in not only the performance piece, but also the creation with my with my fellow teammates. And so I wanted to make sure that I'm bringing that, the arts into whatever I do, even the corporate contracts too. That's why they choose to work with us is it's, we're not just coming in and doing a PowerPoint. We're actually engaging right. them, role play, getting in there. And so um, I think that's what really drives me to continue moving forward is that the arts can connect with people in so many different ways. Um, than we're even aware of. So I, I like to be able to bring that into those corporate contracts. That definitely feels like it sets it apart too in terms of like, hey, I can come and lecture your staff for three hours or like, hey, we can have some experience and actually movement and actually participate and, and have these scenarios and vignettes. I, I think I would be a lot more engaged if that was the case instead of the ones that I've had to sit through where I'm like, oh my God, I, I got to get the fuck out of here and I don't know where to go. <laughs> which happens far too often. Um, that is very cool though, because I think, you know, bringing in playfulness into your business is really important too. And whenever I hear I'm stuck, I can't think of these ideas. I, I can't like put this from thought to action. And I think about like going back to play and how important it is to kind of have that childlike state so that you can be more curious so that you can think outside of the box so that you can kind of tap into that other part of the brain to say like, all right, I need to really get out of my head. I'm, I'm really in this concrete thinking mode. But if I can get into movement, if I can get into the arts, if I can get into expression, probably writing your content becomes a bit easier. Thinking of your next business idea becomes a lot easier and how it just, it becomes a lot more enjoyable too and a less, more it's like a grind or less grueling when you're like just kind of going from motion to motion to motion all throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely helps. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, revolutionize your private practice and what you've got going on there too. Cause you've got a lot of cool stuff going on. I think you also have a retreat coming up. I mean, you've got a lot of stuff happening. And for those of us who are more entrepreneurial, I think that's kind of the case, right? Where it's like, yeah, I've got like nine ideas or 15 ideas, or I'm working on three things simultaneously. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the Revolutionize Your Private Practice retreat is actually, I can announce it here, is actually sold out. Um, oh, cool. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. So we we actually started it during the pandemic because uh, we were seeing so many therapists just, even you saw the pictures on Facebook and Instagram of just therapists just passed out on their couch or just falling asleep in front of the screen, just... Yeah. It, it was a very trying time, I feel, for, for a lot of us. And so while we were kind of sitting back, we realized that our trainings were the things that were keeping us alive and were actually energizing us to continue to do the work because we're like, here's another thing you can do now so you're not so stuck in the weeds with the clients that you're working with. 
And we we also understood that people didn't know how to start a training program while we're saying, oh, this is a great thing. People are like, well, how did you get into it? I got so many messages saying, how did you start? How do you do this? And and I said, well, you know, let's put a, together a training program so people can understand step by step all of the pieces that they need. And we were doing it online for a while. And then I just personally, as an entrepreneur, I'm like, I don't want to do this online anymore. So, hey, it's what is my thing. So let's change it. And the retreat was really more in line with being able to get in there with a group of people who have the same idea of what they want to do, just don't know where to start. And I can be there with them. That's the other part. And the, the online space was hard to navigate because I'm like, okay, I would check in with email. I said, did you do the thing? Have you done it yet? Do you check with the other person <laughs> and just email instead of me sitting in front of you going, okay, where's your stuff? Let's get going. Right. So a different feel. And I, 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 I'm looking forward to being able to work with them because there's so much more I can do with them when we're in person than we could do online. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent. I got into doing retreats as well last March in Ireland and Although I have been doing group coaching programs for the last two years virtually, you're, I mean, there's something to be said about like you exactly like you just said, like sitting in front of the person and being like, all right, you're in this stuck point. You're, you're in like major imposter syndrome or perfectionism mode. And like, you don't want to press like launch to the world, but like, we're going to do that together. And then we're going to process like how that feels to have that out there. And it just feels like you can really capture momentum. And also I like the idea of like being in a group and being in an incubator and kind of having like this ability to like bounce ideas off and see that other people are doing other cool things too. And that can be really empowering and it can create a lot of positive energy. Um, one thing that you said that kind of stands out to me though is like, we're doing the thing and then you were like, well, I don't really want to do this anymore. So I'm going to change it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's basically like entrepreneurial 101. Yeah, I tend to do that a lot. And so <laughs> I'm I'm lucky to have a team that, like you were saying earlier, Patrick, about we have nine, maybe or a dozen different ideas of things that we want to do. And sometimes they they get stuck in icon phase instead of momentum and 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 strategy phase. And so having a team that I can bring my ideas to and say, okay, here's a thought, here's another thought. What about this? What about this? And we've, as a team, tried so many things. We even tried a product. That's a whole other story, but that did not go well. Um, but it was, but we tried it. Now we know if we ever want to do a product, we know exactly what to do with getting the codes and all of this stuff. Um, and I really think it's important for us as entrepreneurs to know that we can change our mind. We can close a program that doesn't fulfill us anymore. Because if it doesn't fulfill us anymore and we're still doing it, then the people we're trying to help, it's not going to be as fulfilling for them. So then do we pivot? Do we close it? Do we you know, change it? Like, what do we want to do to make it more fulfilling for ourselves and for the people who will be involved? Yeah, I love that. What do you think the hardest thing is when it comes to pivoting? I tend to see it like I have this great idea. I'm trying it. It didn't work out. And then pivoting is crucial, right? Like, because like you said, you learn from those things that didn't work out or maybe those things you need to edit and improve or tweak or that aren't bringing you joy anymore. But I see a lot of people get hung up on things and hold on to them for too long because they have invested that energy and they're like, I just can't let this go. Like I've tried so hard to make it work. And now like it would be so, it would be soul crushing to pivot if I really decided like I don't want to do the thing I just spent 
a year of my life trying to do. It's it's hard. I I've I've had to pivot mul- multiple multiple times, and I think it, as long as we're aware of that grief stage that we need to go through, like all the stages of grief, it, because I remember um, pivoting into more of the the coaching space, um, helping other therapists with the corporate wellness stuff, and having to let go of. Uh, a lot of the clients I was seeing because there wasn't time for me to see all my clients and do all the new things that I needed to do. Um, I had to let go of uh, some of the marketing stuff, which I love the marketing stuff. And that was hard for me to let go because I'm like, oh, that's my baby though. I don't want to let that go. Um, but I couldn't be as consistent as I knew somebody else on my team could be and they love the marketing. So it's being able to to let go and and <laughs> get allow other people to step into those things that fulfill them too, because then when your team's excited about what they're doing, you can let it go a lot easier. Yeah, that's really well said. I love that you named the grief process too, because I, I experienced that. And I know a lot of people listening are experiencing that as they're considering either growing their businesses or shifting their businesses. And I've been doing this practice coaching thing for now about two years. And when I started it, I had 35 clients on my caseload in a solo practice. And transitioning into a full-time practice coach and entrepreneur and group practice owner, I had to transition almost 95% of those clients out. There's a lot of grief. There's also grief around like, am I leaving this profession behind? Am I leaving this like license that I worked so hard to get? You know, all of those thoughts come up. And then the ability, like you said, to almost outsource or hand things off to people who are more excited to do something than you are. And I think that was really, that's really a profound statement, because if you're not really passionate about that thing, you're really doing a disservice, not only to the people you're trying to help, but also to yourself. And I think the ability to pivot, fall down, learn from your mistakes, outgrow something, no longer be excited by something. I think that's kind of like, that's just the entrepreneurial journey. Um, I am really excited about things right now in my business that in a year that may not interest me anymore. And I, I know that and I'm okay with that. But I have also had to like work through a lot of that stuff too, to know like it's okay to let something go. Um, I just created this four-month coaching program that we did from April to August. And my VA and I took about a year to create it. Kept pushing it back, kept pushing it back, which probably was a sign that I maybe wasn't interested in doing it anymore. And then we finally launch it, we fill it, we finish it. But in the meantime, I'm doing these retreats all over the world and traveling and my VA messaged me and she was like, so (laughs) that first take the leap will be the last take the leap, I assume. And I was like, yeah, it is. But there was like this major grief process of, but we just worked so fucking hard on this for a year. And, but it it really does make the most sense at this point in time. And I think you do have to kind of shift how you move through this entrepreneurial journey when something isn't really holding your attention anymore as well. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to do, but I think these are good lessons. And for those of you listening, you know, even if it's as simple as like, I want to start a private practice and I chose this niche or like, I want to do this thing. It will not, it does not have to be the finish line. And like Azizi said, it is a marathon, not a sprint. I think being an entrepreneur is a marathon. And I think there are lots of stop points and rest areas along the way because a lot of us are neurodivergent. A lot of us just have multiple interests and a lot of us have a lot of creativity. So the odds of you being satiated or satisfied by one thing for the rest of your career, I think, are 
pretty slim and that's okay. And I just see a lot of people almost shame themselves when they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I think if we can reframe it, right, as therapists, if we can reframe it as we're, we're not giving up on our profession or, or the schooling or all the crap ton of work that we've put into this, it's more of we're, we're serving our profession in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had lunch with a mentor a couple about a year ago, and we were having this exact conversation. And that's exactly what she said. She was like, I don't think you're giving up on the therapy profession. I think you're helping therapists in a different way. And I was like, Oh, yes, I needed to hear that. Because I think it's easy to get caught up in that uh, headspace of I'm like abandoning. And I think it's wonderful, though, that we can do so much with a degree that we often over times overlook like how many different skill sets come with uh, the qualities of being a mental health professional include. Mm-hmm. Because I see a lot of people overlook that as if like, all I can do is one on one clinical work with with this degree. And that that's just not true. It's just about recognizing there is a lot of potential and there's a lot of need for the skills that come with being a trained and licensed mental health clinician and professional. I imagine in the corporate world, especially, you see more and more opportunities now for mental health workers to get involved because they can work on leadership. They can work on de-escalation training and um, creating culture in the workplace. I mean, there's so much that we can do that we kind of overlook um, if we only think that we can be of service 60-minute increments of our time. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're actually reminding me of a a client that I coached um, through the Revolutionize Your Private Practice program. and she super creative art therapist and she had a social emotional learning program she wanted to sell to schools and schools it's it's full-on long game for that one where you have to get in the door and make those connections and then have board approval on all of the things they have to look through the curriculum but she went through it and it took her two years um of initially making those connections to them signing. But then once her program got into one school district, the other schools saw it and the school that they signed up with was saying, oh my gosh, this is great. This is better than these little cartoon things that we've been dealing with. This is like, the kids are actually engaged with the script. Like it was amazing what she put together. And then the other schools are like, well, I want that. I want that too. And so it's just, once you get your foot in the door with one corporate programs, the other businesses that are similar in industry want to do the same thing too. That's good to hear. I think that's that's really useful to hear actually. So again, going back to it, just saying like long game, marathon, nurture the relationships. And you're also going to strike out, right? Like there are definitely going to be times where you give this a shot or you put yourself out there and someone's just not interested in what you have to say or what services you're trying to provide. And they could be the best services in the world. And I don't think it's a reflection of you. It's more so just not the right fit. And it's a good opportunity to continue to focus on the relationships that are worth building and strengthening and coming back to. Yeah. And it definitely goes both ways too, because there have been, I'd say a couple, I can count on one hand of contracts where we walked away from the contracts because it was not a good fit from the start. And we could tell just through communication, through expectations, like this is not, we can't serve you. Here are some other places that, I, that we think we that can better connect with what you need. But it also saved us a huge headache because then we saw the contract and the other people who picked it up were like, 
oh, okay, well, glad we didn't take that one because it would have been more of a hot mess than what we started with. So it's okay to walk away from some of those and because it has to be a good fit for both. Absolutely. That makes sense. And I imagine it being a good fit for both means a more long-term relationship too, in terms of renewing contracts. And also the, the same thing with any other service where those people are also probably going to recommend you elsewhere to their colleagues as well. So um, that's really cool that you're doing this. I like to see more and more therapists doing these types of things where they're getting involved in the training, the consulting, the, the organizational level stuff, because you don't see a lot of that still. And I mean, around here, we have some EAPs that do some stuff like that. But like going back to what you were saying about boring, like lecturing, PowerPoint, um, things of that nature, it, it, I don't find that that useful. So it's nice to have different options as well. In terms of, um, you know, first steps for people who are thinking, I want to get involved in the corporate world, what kind of advice would you have? I know you mentioned joining uh, potentially a local chamber of commerce. Is there anything else that immediately comes to mind? Yeah, the very first thing I did was update my LinkedIn profile. Okay. The very first thing. And even like that header, that banner you can put on top to put an announcement there, like put whatever title you want to put, some sort of fancy thing like corporate wellness authority or whatever it is that you want to put next to your name. So then people, when they're just skimming through your profile, they'll stop if that's what they want, right? They're not going to dig deep into it. They're going to look at that first like top line and decide if they want to click on you. So that was the very first thing I did. And then after that, I started reaching out to chambers and figuring out which one we wanted to be a part of and what type of events they had, if it was an active chamber, if there were leads groups involved, um, and then visiting. We didn't join right away. We sat in on some of the meetings because they'll invite you. They want you to be a member. So right. that was really important too to decide okay, this, this is a leads group for business to business, but none of these people seem like they want to talk to me, right? Because it's very different. <laughs> like, so it's you want to make sure that the groups you join are going to be ones that you're going to feel comfortable making connections with. Love it. Really, really tangible stuff right there. All of you listening, go update your LinkedIn profiles right away. Change your titles, make them fancy. I mean, attention grabbing. And we spend so little time and have such short attention spans, you really have to be able to stand out. So don't be afraid to take these risks either. And that's what we try to do on this podcast is highlight the fact that so many people are doing so many cool, creative things and that there's room for everyone to be involved in these as well. Um, I really appreciate you sharing all this. It's also got me thinking of a lot of ideas too. I've been thinking of ideas since I saw your therapy rock like posting. I was like, oh my God, that is so fucking cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it, I, I really liked seeing that. That was, that was really awesome. I actually reached out to my staff and I was like, anyone, you know, see this post, anyone want to brainstorm some cool creative ideas? And, you know, my team was like, I hate marketing. I don't like networking. I'm like, all right, thanks guys. I appreciate you. See you on Friday. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I think having that, that creativity, ingenuity, and just that vision in, in marketing is really important for everyone listening, especially getting your names out there, growing your businesses, and just getting clients in the door consistently. Um, Azizi, do you want to tell everyone where they can find more of you and find more of what you have to offer? Yeah, I'd say um, check out my website. It's Azizi Marshall, A-Z-I-Z-I-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L.com. You can see what I'm up to. It's it's updated. I probably update that website every month with different things that are going on. 
Um, and I'd say if you want to see what's going on in the corporate wellness space and kind of take some cues from what I'm putting out there, definitely check me out on LinkedIn. Um, that will give you some ideas of how to get started just by the profile page. Love it. Thank you so much for that. And that will be in our show notes as well. Um, and do you have any upcoming retreats planned? Are you doing any events like that coming up in the future? Or is that on hold for right now after you get through this one? Um, that's on hold for right now, but we do have a mental health at work summit. It'll be in Oak Brook, Illinois. It's more for training corporate leaders and HR executives on how to bring mental health into the culture of their organization. So that'll be in July, July 21st to the 23rd. Very cool. And if anyone needs that information, all of that will be in the show notes again. And Azizi, I just want to say thanks for making the time and coming on. And it's really been enjoyable listening to you talk. And you've honestly got me thinking about a lot of things right now when I get off of here. I'm like, got to jot all this stuff down. Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And to everyone listening, All Things Private Practice Podcast is on all major platforms. New episodes are out every Sunday morning. Listen, download, subscribe, and share. Doubt yourself. Do it anyway. Go to allthingspractice.com for coaching, retreats, podcast episode information, and any upcoming offerings. Join the All Things Private Practice Facebook group. See you next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.